Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. My guest today is actually a returning guest. And there are a few people who have that distinction. I tell you what, folks, to be a returning guest at Live on Purpose Radio means that you have impressed me with your knowledge of certain principles that allow people to live on purpose. And today's guest has certainly done that. This is my good friend, Jess Pettit. Welcome to the show, Jess. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Paul. Again? Again. I know. You can't live without me. I can't live without you. (laughs) Win-win. You know what? You came out with a book recently. It's been a year now. It's very hard to believe that it's been a year now, but it has been a year. Jessica's book is Good Enough Now. How doing the best we can with what we have is better than nothing. And it's also a whole lot better than a whole lot of other things, (laughs) which might come out in our conversation today. I love this concept, Jess, because as a psychologist, I have observed that we as a species tend to get in our own way. And we get tied up in our thinking about how we're not good enough. And we've got all this evidence that that's true. Then confirmation bias kicks in and we start creating and finding more evidence that that we're just not adequate. You're on a bit of a mission here to turn that around and to create a new default, a, a good enough now default, because starting from that place, there's so many other things that we can accomplish. That's why you're back. Yep, sure is. Plus, you reached out to me because you've got a goal to spread this message on, on as many podcasts as you can. And uh, I'm just honored that you came back to spend some time with me. 100%. I think that the, the, the trouble is, and sometimes it gets immediately lumped in with perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And I see it a little bit different in that we don't often try things, whether they're new tasks or new hobbies or difficult conversations, or things that make us a little nervous, we come up with a million reasons, and then confirmation bias helps us know, oh, I should not do this because of all this stuff that I've confirmed that makes me feel better. Um, But what, what my premise is, is that if you can't try, you can try to try. And if you try to try, it's that leaning forward motion that will start building the momentum, even though you're not perfect, even though you don't have all the information or all the vocabulary words, it's still better than nothing. Just why is this so important to you? What's got you all lit up about this? Well, to be honest, my first 10 years of my professional career as a diversity trainer I think set it up that people felt like they had to have the exact vocabulary or the collection of the most diverse friends or that only their diversity of lived experiences enabled them to do um, 
do activities or things that involved uh, fear or inadequacy or apprehension. Um, guilt and shame also are kind of stoppers. And I just started burning out because nobody was doing anything different. Nobody was asking any different questions and I wasn't changing, evolving or growing. So mm. I decided I either needed to quit or figure out something different. And the thing that was different was what if instead of like one of my most popular questions is what do I do so that I never offend anybody ever? Well, if I decide to live in a cave, my uncle Marcus is going to be mad at me that I didn't go to his birthday party. Right? He'll so be offended. There's, right. There's no way to not offend. So you can do things to work on it, but instead of waiting until you get to the place where you'll never offend, what if you just took responsibility that it's likely you will probably offend somebody and you may or may not even know about it, but at least you're responsible for it. Now that's not a deterrent. So rather than coming from that place of fear and insecurity and, oh my gosh, I have to have all my ducks in a row before I can actually step up and do something, realizing, accepting, oh yeah, okay, probably I am going to offend some people. Probably I'm going to stumble around a little bit. And it's still better to start or, or try something than it is to just stay paralyzed by that fear. And if you are prepared to offend somebody, you can then be a little bit more open to the feedback or the gifts, as I like to call them, that other people may give you, which point out how you are, in fact, causing problems, making an error, offending someone. And then you can decide to keep it or to edit it. Right. You know what? I'm still thinking about what you said about, you know, missing your uncle's birthday party or something. Even choosing to do nothing is probably going to bring about the undesired result that you're trying to avoid in the first place by doing nothing. So that acknowledgement is actually quite empowering, even though it can be terrifying, too. Sure. But what's more terrifying? Doing something that causes your own sense of terror or finding out later that something you can't undo can't be undone. Yeah. And then we get to live with regrets. Yeah, you have potential of being scared no matter what. Mm -hmm. So there's no way to avoid it. So just dive in. It sounds so simple. And and maybe it is simple, but there's a difference between simple and easy. Would you agree? Absolutely. So how is it done, Jess? You train people on this. How's, what's the starting point? I believe it's done one intentional conversation at a time. So I don't think you can do this 100% of the time. I don't think you can do this with every human being on every topic in every instance. But I do think that you can occasionally say this one, this uh -huh. one, I'm going to attempt a better connection here. You're not entitled to them playing along, but you can still practice. You know, you can still say like, okay, I'm going to, let's say I'm in an airport, right? Mm -hmm. And so I decide that this cashier that I'm going to, to get my coffee, I'm going to attempt to practice my better connection skills, right? 
that is now yeah. shifted how I'm engaging in the conversation with that person, how I'm going to give them my order, make change, talk to them while it's being prepared. That's changed that maybe, but it's certainly changed how I've entered that connection opportunity. Right. Right. That's what you can do. I can't control other people, but I can at least monitor and control myself some of the time and adjust accordingly some of the time. I love the way you you phrased that earlier, Jess, when you said you're not entitled to their buy-in or playing along. Nope. That, that you don't control that anyway. But how you show up is absolutely something that you get to choose. Absolutely. I, and that's what's so fascinating, right, is that often we think about things like integrity and respect, honesty. Um, transparency, I call it curiosity, generosity, vulnerability, authenticity. We think about these things outward in. Mm. But what would be really capable of, what we are really capable of doing is thinking about them inward out. Right? So like, instead of you made me feel bad, why do I feel bad? And how have I made someone else feel this way? What could I do to change my behaviors so that maybe I don't make people feel this way when I'm feeling bad? Mm -hmm. It's just flipping it around. Being willing really to, to introspect, to take a look at, hold on, what's going on inside of me? Because you're right, Jess, it is so easy to point the finger and identify, oh, that person or that situation is making me feel whatever I'm feeling, but instead just noticing the feeling, like you're saying, then asking a question, wait a minute, what's, what has me feeling this way? What, what process is going on inside of me? What, how am I feeling? When have I felt like this before? Mm -hmm. And what do I do to make people feel this way? That doesn't mean it has to be negative. Maybe it's positive, you know, but we don't often reflect I on how we're actually feeling, let alone what when have we felt this way before and how we make others feel that way? We don't spend the time, let alone take responsibility for that. I've got um, a question that might take this to a little different level because we're talking, you and I are philosophers, right? I mean, we like to talk about these theories and philosophies, but this has some very practical results when it comes to applying exactly what we're talking about in a, in a business setting, for example, certainly in relationships. Um, what have you observed, Jess, about the impact of tuning into these, these principles? Nothing important, just like freedom, independence. Um, just that? Compassion. Maybe if you're lucky, an increased amount of like generosity in the world. That's all. <laughs> That's it. Just little things like that. Just little, little bits. You know what, Jess, you and I know each other through the National Speakers Association. We just came back from our, our national convention in Dallas, Texas, where we got to hang out with, I don't know, a couple of thousand of weird people like you and me. Um. We teach these things from the stage. What I, what I hope that people connect with at some level is that we have a reason for knowing these things. 
because even the person who's teaching it from the stage or you and I on this podcast, we've both got our histories about how we've, we've been stuck in that place of feeling inadequate or feeling uh, trapped or stuck, you know, a lack of that freedom that you're talking about. And you've got reasons for knowing this. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to comment about related to that? Well, I mean, I think the feeling of inadequacy doesn't go away. You know, like when we were talking about the National Speakers Association, I had the honor of being able to speak to some of the newer speakers or newer members that there's a full day event that's specific for them. Right. And I did a closing kind of like parting words before they left for this really big conference. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is what I told them, I would tell anybody, not just speakers, but life is about riding two horses at one time. And one is the horse of ego, right? Is that like, I'm amazing at this. Mm. And if you're on that one too long, you can really alienate yourself from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. The other horse is humility, which sometimes shows up consciously in our life, I think, as like imposter syndrome or worried that we're being a fraud. But it also can show up in gratitude and a sense of humbleness of like how I got here and how I'm able to bestow this gift on other people, receive the gifts of other people. That's also humility. Mm-hmm. But if you're on that horse too long, you also can alienate yourself from relationships with other people because you're just taking and you're not necessarily giving back. Mm-hmm. And our job is to ride both horses simultaneously. Mm. where we acknowledge our gifts and we're willing to share those and remain humble enough to realize that we're not always right about stuff and it might be more important to be open. Right. And that we have developed solutions because of our areas of expertise and we're super judgmental of people who don't choose us. (laughs) Unfortunately, that continues to be true, doesn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Jess, you've set up some some good foundation, I think, for additional conversation that we'll have. As we come back from this first break, let's get into what some of those principles might be. Folks, this is Jess Pettit, author of Good Enough Now at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, Live On Purpose family. I know you're a fan of personal development, and that's why you're here on the podcast. Something else that I think you would really like is Live On Purpose TV. Come on over to youtube.com forward slash Live On Purpose TV, where you will find daily episodes that are all geared toward powering up your personal development program. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And we're back. Just petted it. Live On Purpose Radio today again. I do, does does two appearances make you a frequent flyer, Jessica? Um, it depends on how rare it is. I think. Hmm. So well, I mean, I think if if you were to eat some something unusual that no one's ever heard of, and you ate it twice, then some people would say that you eat it all the time. Probably not. Yeah. Well, I think you are in a collection of maybe half a dozen people who have actually been on the show twice. I feel very, very special, and I'm now competitive about number three. That is an elite spot, 
And we'll talk about scheduling number three. (laughs) Perfect. You know what, Jess? Um, I, through my career, have, have met with so many people who are in a place where they're feeling trapped, you know, stuck. When, when I asked you before the break, what is the practical impact of applying the principles that we're talking about here? Your first response was freedom, Mm -hmm. freedom and, and, and peace. And just the sense that, Oh, my life is, as your title indicates, good enough now. And I don't have to wait until I accomplish whatever in order for it to be. It's good now. And I think it always could be. I I have a sense that you've walked some people through this before too. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's important to mention that like this isn't the solution. This is the process, right? So it's yeah. As soon as you get somewhere close to the quote unquote end, you then start over. It's like washing your hair. You don't just get to do it once. I remember right. when I was a a little kid. I remember my mother wanted me to sweep the porch and it was particularly windy that like season or that week and I remember asking why should I sweep the porch it's just gonna get dirty again and my mother said so that it's clean now and Mm. I remember thinking this is the dumb like why does it need to be clean now but what's interesting is I couldn't I couldn't remove the truth of it being clean now versus not clean and I would do it again so that it would be clean now. It's just whether or not I valued a clean porch. I knew how to get to it. Yeah. But if I value a clean porch, this is what you do so that you have a clean porch. So when we're talking about actually having relationships and taking responsibility for yourself in those relationships, that's where the concept of better connections comes from. So in my book, the first piece really talks about, I believe everyone is innately good. And there's some activities and exercises in there about that. Mm-hmm. And the second chunk is really about like, what are these lived patterns that make you measure what is enough versus what's too much or too little? Where does enough, where does your definition of enough, where's your definition of clean porch, right? right. So it's a self-assessment right. kind of activities And for the record, all of the activities can be downloaded for free if you go to goodenoughnow.com slash freebies, F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S. So all the handouts and everything are there for free, plus some extra videos and stuff. But the last part is really the kind of now what? And so I thought that I'd share with you just some of the basic steps of how to have a better connection, what to do if if you choose this time, this person, I'm going to try and have a better connection. Wonderful. That sounds helpful. Super. Let's go there. Okay. So let's go back to the airport. So you you decide this barista, this is the person that you're going to have a better connection with. Okay. So first, what's that mean to you? So for me, I'm super competitive. So when I see someone who looks really grumpy, it's my job like number one job to make them smile, possibly laugh. But we all know when they kind of break and all of a sudden they're present again, they're not just like mid shift. Yes. You know, and I'm the same way. I can be mid shift too. And it takes someone 
intentionally trying to converse with me that I can kind of snap out of it. Yes. Okay. So you have decided this one's it. I'm going to make a better connection with this person. Again, you are not entitled for them to play back with you. Right. So they may stay disengaged. Okay, great. And that's really irrelevant anyway to your goal. A hundred percent. You get to do this. So okay. you decide, I'm going to make a better connection. So the next step is if you're going to make a better connection, then the next step is you're going to have an intentional conversation. So you are going to intend what it is that you are going to say to this person, not just filling space. Yes. And where I see this at a coffee bar happen the most is when they say, what will you be having today? And you at the same time order or at the same time you say, well, good morning. How are you? Like you're not, you're not connecting because your scripts aren't connected. Uh huh. Okay. So I'm going to have a better connection. I'm going to have an intentional conversation. Notice I have not spoken yet. Right. Then I'm going to listen. So listen might mean body language. It might mean looking and observing at where that person is. Mm -hmm. In this particular case, they may start talking at you first. They may not, but you can observe that and listen to them as if the person you're trying to connect with is telling you how they want to be connected with or what they need, as if they could teach you something. Mm -hmm. If you enter a conversation as if you're going to be taught something, you're entering from a very different place than like, let me teach you something, something, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, better connection, intentional conversations, and then I call it listening to others as if they're wise. Then and only then can you actually begin to form your message. Wow, it doesn't even get to the message until then. No, and you're only forming it. So then when you form it, before it falls out of your face, what is your intended meaning of the message that you're forming? Can I observe something else here too? Sure. You're going up to the barista. You're there for what? To get your coffee. Mm -hmm. We haven't even talked about coffee. Nope. We're talking about another human being on the planet. You have added a level of intentional connection to this that that far surpasses whatever product or service that person can provide to you. And and that requires an intentional process because it would be very easy to just, okay, I'm just here to get my coffee. And, And you whoever you are on the other side of the counter are simply there to fulfill that purpose for me as if they don't even matter. Yeah. Except to serve your need. You're inviting us just to go to a deeper level on purpose because it requires that thought process uh, that even before you even say a word, you're you're connecting. Because what we're doing If we keep this going as a metaphor, if I were to walk into your office, Dr. Paul, I'm going to Dr. Paul's office and Mm -hmm. I open the door and I say, vente, soy chai, no water, no foam. Uh Uh-huh. What are, what? You do not work at a Starbucks? No. Why would I say that to you? But that's typically how we communicate with one another when we're completely disconnected. Even if they do work at a Starbucks. 
Right. But I mean, it, but the, the absurdity makes more sense if it's outside of a coffee shop. Right. Exactly. But, but it's the same thoughtless way of communicating that we typically engage. We like you and I at this conference we were at, we waved at each other. Yes. But what's interesting is there's other people you wave to. There's other people I wave to. But when we, when we waved, I made an intentional effort to at least make eye contact with you. So now, days later, you know that we waved at each other. You know what I got from that conversation, that, that wave conversation? As I walked down the hall, I was thinking about my friend Jess. Mm-hmm. And, and Jess, it wasn't just, oh, she acknowledged me. It was like, okay, she still loves me. Yeah. So then that's what, that's the next step, right? So better connections, yeah. intentional conversations, listen to them as if they're wise, mm-hmm. form a message, understand what is the intended meaning of that message. Mm-hmm. Even if it's nonverbal, I could just wave at you like I'm blowing you off. Or I could wave at you like, hi, I'm so sorry. There's 3,000 extroverts between you and me nine feet away. I can't wait to talk to you next week. I love you, Dr. Paul, in a second. Yep, got it. That message has gone and been received, right? right? So the next step is to claim responsibility for that. So in this case, it's positive, right? Like I'm responsible that my intention to you was received for you to feel like I saw you, that we are connected, we have a relationship, I'm responsible for that. Yay, right. me. If it didn't work, so same conference, another guy actually came up, John came up to me, we were talking, and then it dawned on me four days later, I don't remember saying goodbye. I don't even know what happened. I know he was right here, but I don't remember. Yeah. So, I sent him a Facebook message and said, I vaguely remember you coming up to me in the hallway and saying, hey, how are you? I said it was fine. And then literally, I have no idea what happened. I just want to say, hi, I'm sorry. I hope that I wasn't rude. John writes back and says, oh, I got stopped in the hallway by another person. And then by the time I turned around, you were long gone. But I'm responsible. Do you see that? Yes. It wasn't a big deal. John didn't care. But do you think that the impact of me following up with him and saying, I'm sorry, I, did, I noticed I didn't say goodbye, that there wasn't a closure to that interaction, that probably made an impact on him. And it made an impact on me because I don't like that. I don't want to be that person at a conference who talks over people's shoulders, doesn't say goodbye, etc. I'm trying to be more intentional. So I have to claim or reclaim my responsibility. Reclaim is if you're doing it to the same person again, or it's the same habit again. You know this about yourself. And look, there it showed up again. So you have to claim or reclaim the responsibility for it. Then you have to figure out what is the impact on that relationship. Me, if I hadn't said anything, there's a possibility that John wouldn't have even noticed. But now I think it's, I called it out and I would imagine our relationship's probably better for it. Right. right? You and I had a great connection, even though it wasn't even verbal and it was from across the room and that has a connection or an impact on our relationship. Right. Then repeat. 
do more of what works and less of what doesn't. Right. And key, do the best you can with what you got some of the time. Some of it. (laughs) Because if you try and start doing this 100% of your conversations, which wouldn't hurt anybody, except it's hard. Sometimes I don't want to talk. I just want my coffee. You know what? That's why we settle into the routines and the disconnected, uh, maybe default that happens. Your invitation is to be more conscious about that so that you can do what you can with what you've got. And I love this next part. Some of the time. Right. That sets the, the standard where you can absolutely nail this thing today. Right. And you'll probably screw it up tomorrow and then you just get to start over because you don't have to do it 100% of the time. Right. Take the pressure off. That's it. Well, as the professional, Jess, you've taken the pressure off so that we can just do exactly that. You're good enough now. Do what you can with what you've got some of the time and we're good. Right. How are you going to say, oh, no, that's too much? Share with us, Jess, uh, you've, you've already mentioned you've got all kinds of free things that you're offering there on your website, goodenoughnow.com forward slash freebies. F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S. Go get your stuff. Go get you some freebies from Jess. She's got some good stuff. I've already downloaded some of those things and I've received other things from you at different events we've attended. Truth. And it's useful. It just, it helps me to get out of my own head and my own way enough to start really connecting with people on a, on a better level. Your book, Good Enough Now, how do they get a hold of that? Magical fairies. Yeah, so or, Amazon. Or Amazon, yeah. <laughs> well, that is the magical fairies of our world, right? Um, also, your website, goodenoughnow.com, where they'll find some other things. Um, you're available for trainings, for keynotes, for... Uh, just improving people's lives in a variety of ways. Milkshakes. Milkshakes. Let's go out for milkshakes. I am so glad you added that part. I may just take you up on that at some point. We did have one the last time I was in Salt Lake City, remember? That is true. I do remember that. Jess, thank you for your contributions here today. Absolutely, thanks. Everybody, you've heard it from Jess Pettit author of Good Enough Now, and it's time for all of us to go live on purpose. Purpose.